appreciate you guys. Hey, uh, I want to just turn your attention tonight just to a passage of Scripture in Ephesians. And um, I want to read it from chapter 3, if I could please, just verse 14 to 20. You may have your own Bible. Do that, read that, but it is on the screen as well. Uh, Ephesians chapter 3, 14 to 20. Uh, Paul has written this letter, of course, to a group of Christians at Ephesus. And uh, starting in verse 14, it just says this. It says, for this reason, uh, Paul says, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him, I love this last verse. It's kind of like, this is the, uh, one of the, the last part of this kind of passage. Now to him who is able uh, to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to the power that works within us. Him, now to him, I'll say it again, who is able to do more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is in work with us. Do you know, I want to be honest. I don't think I think enough about what God could do more than, uh, more than I could ever think. I don't think I think enough about that sometimes. I think we can sometimes be limited by our circumstances and, and the stuff around us and the life that we live because the, the truth is we live, a very, we live on a, in, a, in a world that continually bombards us with limitations but, you know, when we tap into our Heavenly Father, He's never limited. Isn't that an incredible thought? He's the, he's the God of the more than. Have you think about that? He's the God of the more than. We, we kind of think this much, but God's always thinking more than that. He's always got something better, hasn't He? I love it. I love it that our God, this, these two words, actually, more than, um, pop up in Scripture on many occasions. And, and it's a real, it, there's a real emphasis throughout the Scriptures and throughout the Bible that we serve a God not of the less than, but He's the Heavenly Father of the more than. More than enough. Um, it's just two words that seem very innocent, but they're powerful when you combine them together and you continue to see the context within Scripture that, God, that they're applied. And that obviously uh, Paul and many others were inspired to write and use these words. Um, um, God doesn't want to do less than for you. He's not a God that looks to do less. He's a God that looks to do more for your life. Um, and you know, when we, when we do more than enough for someone else, when we, we call that going the extra mile, don't we? And so we serve a, a, a God of the extra mile. We serve a God that wants to go a little bit more. He doesn't want to do less than we can think because it says he will do more than we could ask or imagine. So our God doesn't, you know, what can you imagine? Could you imagine, and maybe you can imagine some pretty amazing things, but within the context of, of what's, in, what's important and what's very much able to be done. But God says, you know, I, I, I even think higher than that. And I think, wow. And I, and I started to think, if I would tap into that and in, 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 in his presence, into that thought process, imagine what God could do. And I think I get, I don't think God's limited. I just limit what God can do. 
because of my thinking. It says what we would ask. He can do more than what we ask. You know, um, and you know, uh, the interesting thought here is that he'll only do more than what we ask or imagine according to the power that works within us. And we'll talk about that. But, um, you know, uh, sometimes in the world I've heard, heard people say, and maybe I've said it sometimes in my own heart, you know, this, this is just more than I can handle. Um, this life is more than I can handle. This, uh, this uh, uh, whatever it may be, this work situation, this circumstance. Um, maybe tonight, y- your marriage or your children or your health is just more than I can. Ha- I can't. Ha- it's more than I can handle. And I, I want to just say, if we would just stop and think about not the re- not not the reality is is maybe it is more than you can handle. But if you stopped and thought, not focus on what you can't handle, but focus on what He can do in and through you what the more then I tell you what I guarantee uh, that things would start to change as you allow the more than of our heavenly father to interrupt the less than of what you struggle with I tell you it's an incredible clash and you know something's got to give and I tell you it's not God because he can power on through as we allow our God uh, the more than heavenly father that we serve or worship so um you know, as I look at uh, throughout God's word and truth, I see that more than is the very nature of God. You know what John the Baptist said about Jesus? He said this in John 3.31. He says, Jesus who comes from above is more than all. He's more than all. Christ is more than all. And, and if you were to put together all the knowledge in the world, or the sum total of every bit of information, for instance, put it in one computer, it would never be more than what Jesus Christ knows. If you were to take all the righteousness in the world, all the good in the world, and, and, and somehow gather that together, it would never be more than what Jesus Christ is in his righteousness. You just can't outdo him. He's more than all that we could think about. And when you think about that, doesn't it compel you and encourage you to tap into that his, him, into he's the source of our lives? And if we connect ourselves with a more than an incredible power like that, my goodness, what could he do in and through us for the good of our life and others? That's the kind of God we serve. Psalm 40 verse 5 says this, Your thoughts, the psalmist says, you know, God, your thoughts towards us cannot be counted. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. God thinks about you more than you realize. Uh, You're his creation. You're You're his very focus and attention and purpose. And so... His thoughts are towards you. His thoughts are good thoughts. Jeremiah talks about his thoughts are to bless you and not curse you. They're to help you, to encourage you. Thoughts to do you well. Thoughts to give you peace and a joy. Why did you give God a chance? Because he's got some great ideas for your life. He's got some great thoughts. Now, in the midst of this whole thought and these two words more than, there's a bit of a paradox you know what a paradox is? It's really simple thought. This is what a paradox is. It's a statement or situation that seems absurd or contrary to the facts or the truth. It seems as if ridiculous. It can't happen. It's just not possible. That's a paradox. Something that is spoken and yet that could never happen and yet it does. Somehow, some way, it comes to pass. And in the Bible we see a couple of them. And the first one that I find incredibly powerful in relation to these words, the more than kind of heavenly father we serve, is just found in Mark chapter 12. And let me just read it to you, verse 41. 
It says, now Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people put money into the treasury. He was in the temple. And many who were rich put in much. Then one poor widow came and threw in two mites, which made a a quadrant. And so he called his disciples to himself because he wanted to teach them something. He said to them this, I tell you, I say to you that this poor widow has put in what? More than. Can we just say that? More than. All those who have given to the treasury today. For all they put in out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty put in all that she had, her whole livelihood. Now here's the paradoxical statement. The poor widow has put in more than all those who have given into the treasury. That's absurd. Because literally she didn't. Practically she didn't. It's not that it didn't happen that way. And yet Jesus says she's put in more. More than all the rest. How does that how does that happen? We can say, you know, how in the world could that happen? But first of all, let's look at the reality of the situation. Number one, she's a widow. Culturally, in Jewish times, if you're a widow, you're automatically poor unless your husband left you a lots of money, uh, which often wasn't the case. Um, in this case, she was a poor widow, and many times um, widows were poor, and they had to uh, be looked after by others. No husband to support her. Number two, everybody saw what she put in. Uh, it wasn't much. It was two mites. In actual fact, two mites is equivalent of, to, to today's currency, about 50 cents. So she didn't put a lot in. Number three, Jesus mentioned the others were rich people, and they, in his states, they put in much. So in physical terms, much meant more than what the widow put in. So we know that she didn't physically put more than the rich in, literally put more in. But the treasury, uh, you've got to appreciate the whole scene of the treasury in the temple. In the temple, they used to have 13 containers lined up along the front of the, tre- of the temple. And people would come and put their money in. And you know what? It, it became a little bit of a show. That's what it really became. And for the rich people, it was a very important opportunity to show how rich they were and to, you know, prove to all the priests and everybody else how they were, you know, so close to God. Because in their thoughts, the more you gave, the closer you were to God and God blessed you more. And so it was a bit of a show. It was a bit of a a, a put on. It was a comparison thing that used to happen. Uh, For the rich, it wasn't about giving. It was about being seen to be giving. Uh, which is a sad thing, isn't it? So for this woman, she didn't come to be seen to be giving because if she came to be seen to be giving, she wasn't giving very much. And so that would have been a massive stumbling block to get over straight away. I'm only going to give two mites. (laughs) You know, and if I'm trying to impress anybody, that's not how you're going to impress anybody. So her heart was not that way inclined. Um, So she, you know, she had to get over that, I imagine, so we see in this situation, uh, the more than that is talked about that Jesus mentioned, she gave more than all the rest, really had to be about a new way of how we thought about doing life. It's a new way of thinking. It's a seeing that more than is about the possibilities and not the impossibilities. Because two might, 50 cents was never going to cut it. But the reality was there was something powerful about what she did because it wasn't about the physical giving. It was about the heart attitude that was powerful. And that's what Jesus says. You know, that's more. When you've got a heart attitude like that, that's more than all the rest combined. Our hearts are very important. Our attitudes are very important. 
in relation to our Christian life. See, God judges our more than not on what we give, but on what we give compared to what we have, which is all about our heart attitude. And there's a new way of thinking, and it can seem that when all we have is so much resource, um, and we give a good amount of it, we are actually giving more than the person who literally gives more, but not more compared to what they have. And that's what happened with this widow woman. She, what she gave compared to what she had was a lot. Was a lot. It was more than. If I, if I was just for a moment to turn your attention to a, a, an Old Testament character in the Bible, David, a young man, if we remember, he was a young man, he was a shepherd boy around maybe 16 or 17 years of age. He was told to go and, and uh, take his, some food to his brothers who were on the battlefield. The Israelites were facing the Philistines. And if you remember the story, of course, uh, there was one stumbling block to the whole Israelite army. His name was Goliath. He was a Philistine. And every morning he'd come out and, and make his claim. And no one wanted to fight Goliath. And David comes along. And with five smooth stones, he only used one of them. But, he, he, but amazingly, one stone in the hand of a young man who believed God did more than a whole army who had no faith in their God. Just one little man, one young man with a bit of belief in his God. He had more than all the rest. And if you think about it, naturally speaking, David had less armor, less battlefield experience. He might have fought the bear and the, and the lion, but he had less battlefield experience. But God can use... Um, the very little that he had to do more than a whole army was able to achieve for weeks on end. They never accomplished anything. And yet one stone put in a sling and slung at the, at the forehead of that Goliath and brought him down and killed him, then was the catalyst for the whole Israelite army then to flood forth and destroy and take out the whole Philistine army. And it was just one boy with one passion. And it wasn't so much the stone he used. He just used what he had. He didn't have much, but he just took what he had. And, and God said, you know, that's more than enough. Because it wasn't so much the stone he had in his hand. It was the attitude he had in his heart. And God says, that's more than. Can you see that you mightn't have much tonight, but when you've got an attitude of faith in it, just saying, Father, I believe in you. You've got more than anybody who's got all the ability in all the world. What a God we serve. Because David had this attitude. Who dare comes against my God? Who dare would rail against him and say what he can't do? I tell you, my God can do more. And, you know, with that attitude, he ran onto the battlefield. And I tell you, the Philistine and the Goliath was slain. The Philistines retreated. The Israelites advanced. And what an amazing victory. So we see Jesus says about this woman, he says, she gave out of her abundance and the widow gave out of her, sorry, the rich gave out of their abundance and the widow gave out of her poverty and yet she gave more. David, um, the Israelites were trained men. They had all the ability in the world and yet David comes along with very little ability and yet much ability obviously with a sling and takes the opportunity and seizes the moment and destroys and wins the victory for Israelite. The little he had, I tell you, it's, it, God would have said, you know, David, you got more than this whole army combined. No wonder he finally became the um, king. Uh, what, a, what a wonderful attitude and wonderful heart he had. And, you know, for this lady, it was the attitude of her heart, not the abundance of her pocket. It was a new way of thinking and you know, God says in Philippians 4, he says, come on, renew your, well, Romans 12, he says, renew your mind. 
He says in Philippians, um, he says, you know, think on those things that are good and pure and right and just and worthy of praise and worthy of thanksgiving. Folks, I just want to say, you know, it says right back here in the scriptures, in the, in the very first passage of scripture that we read, it says, you know, God is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine according to the power that works within us. What power works within your mind tonight? Um, what power works within your heart? So we've got to be careful. And, you know, um, it says uh, in Scripture in Ephesians 3.20, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundant more than all we ask or think according to the power that works within us. That's the verse repeated again. So depending on what power works in you determines whether you see the miracle of the more then happen in your life. Because you can have this verse and you can, and you know, and it's never going to operate unless you realize what power is working in you. Do you have the power of fear or the power of faith to not working in your heart? Come on, do you have the power of trusting in God or the power of distrust? Do you have the power of forgiveness or the power of, of, of unforgiveness? Do you have the power of possibilities or the power of impossibilities? Do you have the power of joy and peace or the power of anger and anxiety? Do you have the, really, do you have the power of God's presence or the power of the devil's lies? I just want to say, depends what power works in you, is dependent on how much more then you have of what God wants to do. It's going to take a new way of thinking. Obviously for this widow woman, it was a new way. For her, she said, you know what, I haven't got much, but what I got, I'm going to give. And Jesus says, that's the powerful thought. That's a new way of thinking. David comes onto the battlefield, I haven't got much. I've only got five stones and it only took one. I haven't got much. I fought the lion and the bear. Will that help? He took what he had and God says, that's the attitude. Who dare comes against my God, he said. And he's slain the giant. See, it's going to take a new way of, of you know, allowing our thoughts to be different. Not allowing us to be overtaken by the more than the, the circumstances just too big or the, the problems that just, it's too much. It's, it's saying, Father, it's focusing on who's got the more then to overcome what we face. Um, there's another situation I love in Luke chapter 9. Let me just read this passage to Luke chapter 9, 12 and 13. It says this, When the day began to wear away, the 12 came, the 12 disciples that was, and said to him, Send the multitude away that they may, Jesus said this, that may go into the surrounding towns and country. Um, sorry, the 12 said it, not Jesus said it. Send the multitude away that they may go into the towns and country and lodge and get provision, for we are in a deserted place here. But he said, who said? Jesus said, you give them something to eat. Remember, Jesus had just preached at least 5,000, the Bible says. At least 5,000 men, not counting women and children. And they said, we have mo no more than, what? Five loaves and two fishes, unless we go and buy food for all these people. We've got no more than five loaves and two fishes. Jesus says, you give them something to eat. Knowing they didn't have the physical resources to feed the multitude that day. I love this whole passage. The disciples do the mass. We haven't got enough. All we've got is this little boy's lunch. Oh, well, you know, probably a bit too much for one little boy, but we've got five loaves, two fishes. And they tell Jesus, we've got no more than this amount. We really have to, we'd have to go in and buy some more stuff. We haven't got enough money to buy enough for the, the feed all these people. So it's a paradox, isn't it? Jesus is saying, you feed them. They know they can't feed them. 
Jesus knows they can't feed them. Why does Jesus even ask the question? Why does he ask us sometimes, you go and do it? He says, and you know you haven't got the physical ability. Some of you don't step out in faith is because you think, I can't do it. And you're right, you can't. But you're looking at the wrong source. You're not the source of the miracle. God would never ask you to do it unless you realize that he's the source and you're just the, the, the conduit for him to flow through. He's the more then, you're just the more, the, you're the opportunity for him to flow more then. And so we see in scripture um, that Jesus asked this ridiculous question. It's not really, because what was Jesus really trying to say to them? He was saying something, he was telling them something. He was helping them to see that they couldn't, couldn't possibly feed the 5,000, at least 5,000 with five loaves and two feet. You can't possibly do that. It's stupid. It's paradoxical. It's ridiculous, absurd. But it's not with God. He was getting them to realize they possibly can't possibly do it. Not, and the reality was is that they would look beyond themselves and look to their heavenly father to see that he's the only one who could do it. He always has been and always will be. Jesus is the more than. He is the more than. So, so we see that um, in, as they gave the five loaves and two fishes to Jesus, notice what it says in the passage of Scripture there if you read it further. It says Jesus took it and he looked up to his heavenly father and he prayed and then he distributed. You know what? The miracle didn't happen until he started to distribute it. And then the more then started to flow. You know, uh, the disciples each took a little portion, you know, maybe a third of a piece of bread and, a, and, you know, the tiniest bit of fish. And as they started to distribute it, the miracle happened. It wasn't the miracle that they brought. It was the miracle that God brought in their hands. And if you could just see past the realities of what you see sometimes, the impossibilities, and see that God is the God of the more then always wanting to do more than you could ever think or imagine. It's because our thoughts and our imaginations are limited by circumstances. He is not. He is not. And so it's interesting, but Paul in his closing words to the Christians at Philippi said this in Philippians 4.19. I haven't got it on the screen, but you know the verse. He says, And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Please note that he supplies. He's the God of more than. We are the vessel for the more than, as I've said, to flow through. Please note that it's according to his riches in heaven, not according to our resources on earth. It's according to his ability in us, not according to my inability in my life. You know, I tell you what, God can do more with um, your life if we just, you know, he can do more with a person with little ability but a whole lot of faith than he can with a person with a lot of ability and very little faith. Because he wants to flow through us and in us. Please note that he, it's according to his riches that God can do the miracle. We realize that his riches that actually make up the more. More than will never flow through my limited mindset of unbelief. I want to ask you tonight what power works within your mind. What thought processes go through your mind? What kind of um, things do we start to think about? Because depending on the power that works with us will depend on how much he flows, how much more than can happen. 
in our life. It says in Romans 8.37, yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And when we adopt this understanding that God is more than, whether, and, and we actually take on the very nature of God and it becomes, and we become more than conquerors as well because he then lives within us. Today, we may have a desire to believe God for good things. But maybe even tonight, circumstances have just worn us down. Maybe it just wear us down. Maybe circumstances just want to continually try and limit us and take control. You know what? I think it's time to break out of some of that. Say, Father, I'm going to believe you. I'm going to stop looking at the problem and start looking at the answer. Stop, Stop seeing it as a tombstone and seeing it as a stepping stone to something greater. Start to see something that's more than I can see. And you know when we tap into our God and give our lives to God and, and, and yield to Him, He says, now we can start to do something pretty amazing. Instead of believing in your ability alone and your strength alone, why don't you take an opportunity to say, Father, your strength in me, your ability through me. Tap into the more then. Can we just stand tonight? Maybe these things are just come against us, limit us continually um, try to come up in our face. We, don't, we need to listen to the God of faith, not the devil of lies hey, in our lives. And maybe, uh, you know, tonight you just need to say, Father, I'm going to believe for that. I just need more than I have. I wonder, uh, would you please tonight just give me a moment just to listen. Could you just, just for a second close your eyes and just for a moment, I want to ask you this question. Until we actually give our life to Lord Jesus Christ and put Him first in our life, we really can't, it's difficult to embrace His promises until we first of all make that step towards Him. And I just would ask tonight, if you have never committed your life to Lord Jesus Christ, or you need to come back to Him and and say yes to Him again, I want to invite you just to do that even tonight. If you, if you know that there's just been a period of time where you've just kind of left him out of your life or off the scene and, and you have a belief but you, you know you just need to restore that and say yes to Jesus. I wonder if I could ask you tonight to do something for me in response, not to me but to him and say yes to Jesus and, and just to indicate to me that you're saying yes to him and want to put him first, just lift your hand and say, yep, that's me. Pray for me, please. Anybody tonight, I'll just give you a moment, but God is prompting your heart. He's saying, come on. Anybody tonight saying yes to Jesus Christ. I just wait a moment longer. So, Father, I thank you for every life. I thank you for every person that's special to you. Okay. Maybe tonight you're here in... And life has a tendency just sometimes to wear you down, circumstances and situations. And you just need to restore some life by allowing Him in, His presence, His strength, His, His, His anointing, His touch upon your life. I just want to invite you for prayer tonight. There's things you just want to say, yes, God, more, more. I believe He's here and He wants to minister to hearts and say, Father, I need that more than 
Maybe some of you experienced breakthrough and seen God do incredible things. That's brilliant. But maybe there's just, you're in that little bit of a valley and says, hey, Father, I've got to come through this. Keep on walking. It says, walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Come on, let's just worship for a moment. And I love God just to minister His power and His presence tonight. If you want to come forward for prayer, I'd love to just pray with you and stand in the gap and believe God. Come on, let's just uh, worship.